maybe even speak now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Forever hold your peace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we mean that in a very literal way in this sense. Welcome to the Get Cozy Podcast, where we talk all about the coziest of book genres, the cozy mystery. I'm your host, Christy Meyer, and I'll be bringing you author interviews and keeping you up to date on all the hottest cozy mystery releases. So grab yourself a cup of your favorite hot beverage and let's get cozy. This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. If you want to help support the podcast, then be sure to join our Patreon. For just $3 a month, you'll get a weekly exclusive episode of Get Cozy Podcast, all about the week's coziest mystery releases. You'll also have the chance to submit questions to our guest authors and even help decide which authors will be featured on the show. Head over to patreon.com slash getcozypodcast to sign up. Hello, my cozy friends. I am so excited because today we are celebrating the launch of the newest book in the Colorado Wine Mysteries, Till Death Do Us Port. And of course, the author Kate Lansing is with us today. So welcome back to the show, Kate. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me to do this, Christy. It's always such a blast to chat with you and to be on the pod. Oh, thank you. It's always so much to chat. These are always some of my favorite episodes. You're definitely the only author I've had on three times. Like, I just feel <laughs> like we we click and it's just always so much fun to talk to you. Oh, that's awesome. And I'm honored. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know, I've said this on the show many times before, but the Colorado Wine Mysteries were the first cozy series I ever picked up. So I'm thrilled to be celebrating the launch of book four with you today. But let's start the conversation by having you just tell our listeners what Parker and her friends are getting up to until death do us port. Yeah. So until death do us port, uh, Parker is be bringing the refreshments to her cousin's wedding. Yeah, so there's a wedding, as you might have guessed from the title. Mm -hmm. And there, of course, the wedding planner, um, there's a murder, and a, a slightly obnoxious uh, wedding planner uh, bites the dust, interrupting the wedding ceremony. <laughs> so at the height of the procession, and uh, Parker takes it upon herself to kind of for her family uh, to solve the crime and to help get her cousin's wedding weekend back on track. Yes. And I think this one might be my favorite book in the series so far. Like there's just something about, you know, a wedding, like juxtaposition between having a wedding and a murder take place at the same time. That's really interesting. And then you just like get to see all these characters we love, all their stories developing and growing. And it was just so much fun. Oh, good. Well, thank you for saying that. And I'm glad, I'm glad you enjoyed it. 
Um, and yeah, this one, it was a lot of fun. The wedding, I loved getting to write a wedding. I wasn't quite sure about that, like going into it, because my own wedding was a little bit like non-traditional, but it was so much fun to play with. Just there's so much juicy conflict with weddings alone. And you add in murder and like, I just think there's something special about weddings too, where when you go to a wedding, you're sometimes, it's such a, a time for reflection. You know, you're reflecting mm-hmm. on your own personal life, like kind of like Parker does in this case, or maybe your own wedding or your memories of the couple getting married. And it just was so much fun to play around with. And yeah, so I'm glad, um, glad it came out on the page and you enjoyed it. Yeah, I love that. And that's such a great point. Like weddings are this joyous occasion and yet they're so high stress. So like, the idea that murder could happen is really not that far of a stretch. No, there's so much pressure on making the day perfect. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to speak to that a little bit just because like, you know, just in the book, I wanted that to be sort of something that comes up again and again, just that pressure of making it perfect and not just for the, the bride and groom, but it's like everybody has an opinion as soon as right. you start planning a wedding. And it's like the family, just those components, everybody wants so-and-so to be there. Or maybe like the great aunt in this case wants <laughs> involved in the, in the uh, procession, which is just so funny. And it was, and it was a lot of fun to play with, like in the fictional sense, you know, mm-hmm. I can't, since it's a cozy sort of exaggerate some of those things, like, like the kitty being written center and causing mischief down the aisle. It was just, it was so fun. <laughs> I loved, I loved that part. So much fun. And um, I know I didn't include this question in the list that I emailed to you in advance, but because we are both Swifties, I have to ask what Taylor Swift song do you think would pair best with this book? Oh my gosh. Oh, this is such a good question. I want to say like champagne problems for some reason, although I know like not all of the lyrics would fit quite, but like just champagne as well. That one comes to mind. Yeah, I love that answer because we've got like the winery and the wedding. So yeah, champagne problems. That's good. Okay. Yeah, I'll go with that. Champagne problems. Yeah. Yeah, great answer. Good question. Good question. <laughs> oh my gosh, it took me a minute. I'm like rooting through. Of course, I'm going through Midnight's first because like that one came out the most recent. I, oh gosh, and I love Midnight's. <laughs> oh, I do too. I mean, I love every single album. It just depends on like what mood I'm in, but she's got an album for every vibe. Oh, totally, totally. Like I've been in a big like folklore kick again recently. I don't know why, but just like that melancholy, mellow, like ambiance. Oh, she's so great. You know what could also fit weirdly is like, I keep thinking like lavender haze just because I feel like, mm-hmm. I don't know, the purple and like, I don't know. I don't know. The purple on the cover through, but I, I think agree. I'm going to go with champagne problems. Yeah. I like that. Because yeah. Of the like rem- I don't know, relationship strife that's in there. And, yeah, you know, I totally agree. Like lavender, hay, champagne problems, and maybe even speak now because wedding. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Forever hold your peace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we mean that in a very literal way in this sense. Oh, totally. Which, of course, in, in the book, in the opening, that is like the point where I had, I mean, it was just like too perfect of a moment to not have the wedding interrupted at that time. So, mm-hmm. yeah sure that would fit very well <laughs> yeah oh my goodness yeah we're gonna have to make a, a a playlist to go along with this it's just all taylor swift oh absolutely absolutely i'm i'm here for that oh, yeah me too so fun so publishing a fourth book in a series is just such a huge accomplishment and i would love to hear more about your writing journey getting to this point How did you come to start writing the Colorado Wine Mysteries? And what was the process like getting to where you are today? 
Yeah. So um, let's see. So when I first started writing, well, in this, the first book in the series was actually my fourth manuscript that I had written. And the first two were kind of, I don't know, young adult fantasies. Nobody will ever, ever read those. They're very <laughs> deep in a drawer. I can never delete anything or throw anything like that out just because it's so sentimental. I'm like, yeah. oh, I, that was like, I learned how to write a novel novel. Right, that's huge. <laughs> and then, yeah. Um, and then I had written a cozy mystery and I love cozies. And like, I had this idea for one that was sort of like The Office meets Agatha Christie. Oh my gosh, I um, love that premise so much. <laughs> it's still like, there's still like every once in a while I'll think about it and like, well, maybe I should just dig that back out, you know? And now I know so much more about cozies. Like that one, I had always read cozies and I loved them, but there are so many um, things that I've learn just in writing the like when I went to write the Colorado wine mystery series the first book there I knew okay you need a good niche or a hook because like just doing the office you have to be like it helps if there's a hook like a winery mm -hmm. or a restaurant it's not saying it can't be done but I just think it's tricky and you have to make sure you have some other cozy elements that readers of the cozy genre just really like so like a small community and mm -hmm. you know um just a fur, a furry friend who's prevalent yeah. <laughs> or, multi or multiple. Um, but anyway, so I learned so much writing that cozy, but what I really discovered was that I loved writing in that genre and I loved the voice felt so natural to me. And so uh, I knew I wanted to write another cozy after that. That's when that one got me my literary agent, oh, awesome. um, which was pretty cool. It was at the time when pit mad was still going on. It was like a uh -huh. party was how I connected with her. And we, she's still my agent today, like seven years later, wow. <laughs> which is cool, um, which is great. And then uh, let's see, well, and this will come into play here in a minute, but fun fun fact, I actually got my, found like my agent offered representation the week I found out I was pregnant with my daughter. That's so that a was big a week. Very, <laughs> it was a very big week. Um, and then it wasn't until like she, um, we went on submission to editors with, with that, that manuscript and it, didn't not some nice rejections but it didn't really didn't really go anywhere so we kind of put that aside and like okay let's work on something new and at that time I had just had my daughter <laughs> and I wanted something light-hearted and in an escape uh -huh. you know you're like I was thrust in this new role of mother now which is such a big transition and writing has always been something that sort of grounded me and so I knew I wanted to write something lighthearted and a little bit of an escape and my husband and I have always loved wine tasting mm. um not when I was pregnant so that was another thing <laughs> right. like that first book had a lot of wine like flavors and like things that I couldn't have when I was pregnant it was like oh, I want to write about goat cheese now I can eat goat cheese <laughs> <You know? laughs> like there's all these random things and anyway so when I went right after I had my daughter um and I was home with her I started writing this series and I came up with Parker Valentine and gave her a winery because that was always sort of like this little pipe dream of, you know, with my husband and I, we liked wine tasting and yeah. like, oh, maybe we'll own a winery. And so it was a way to kind of vicariously um, live that dream too. And anyway, so I wrote, it took me about a year um, and being a new mom and just with all of that, it was hard. I wrote an hour every day was my goal. Mm -hmm. I town, just an hour every day. And a year later, I think we went on submission um just about and then like four months after that Berkeley offer or wanted to acquire uh three books which was like just a dream come true and yeah. um, like 
felt I was just walking on clouds for, I don't know, for months after that. So <laughs> that's, yeah, so that's sort of my journey, um, I guess. Yeah. And it took a while from when I first started writing until that first book came out. Yeah. And so I always love to hear about writers' journeys because everyone's journey is so completely different. Like you would think we were all working in different industries or something. It's so fascinating, but it's also a really big deal if your first contract is just for three books to get picked up to write another one. Um, oh, so yeah. how does how does that happen? Can you explain more of that to our listeners? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and this can happen in a number of different ways too, uh, which is, it is funny. It does feel like a different industry sometimes, <laughs> different, just different people. Um, but this one for me, um, I, we did the three, I turned in my third book and I didn't really know if they wanted a fourth or not. And so I kind of, my agent sort of said, Hey, why don't you write something different, work on something different. And it's like, always be writing, mm-hmm. always be writing. And that was, that's always been her advice, which I really appreciate because that's the part of it that I especially love is that writing part. Um, And then it was like, I had finished a whole other manuscript and um, just sent it to her when she called me out of the blue and was like, hey, Berkeley wants a fourth book. So, and then it was like, then, and it was basically like, how fast can you write a book? Right. (laughs) No pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I'll say like, normally how this happens is when you get a contract with somebody, like with a publisher, you'll get what's called like an option. Like they'll get the option to acquire, in my case, my next, the next book in the cozy mystery series, Mm -hmm. they will get the first right of refusal. And so like right now I turned in a proposal for book five and I'm sort of waiting to hear back if they're interested on that. So it's like almost a little bit different, even if there's going to be a book five. Um, Whereas for book four, it was kind of, I was, I think my agent was just as shocked as I was like, Oh, you want a fourth book. That's awesome. And then I hopped on a phone with my editor and we were like bouncing ideas back and forth about like, okay, well, what's going to happen in the fourth book? Cause I hadn't really, I had some ideas, but I hadn't really formulated or taken the time to write like an outline or a formal proposal uh-huh. like I have done with this one. So anyway, that's that's sort of how, how that happened. But I feel I'm just so excited that um, that people are interested in reading more of Parker, and I'm just really grateful too. So. Yeah, definitely. And I'm going to definitely be keeping my fingers crossed over here for book five. And listeners, just so you know, you make a very big difference when you buy an author's book and whether or not the publisher decides to uh, pick up another book in the series. So, you know, the sooner the better, but no pressure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One of the things that I love most about Cozies is that we really get to learn about the main character's passions, whether that be coffee, knitting, camping, or what have you. And cozy authors really dig in and show their readers what those, those pursuits are all about. And for Parker, it's obviously winemaking. You incorporate so many fascinating details about wine and vinification. So what's the most interesting thing that you've learned about the winemaking process in all of your research? One fact that, and this is this is kind of fun, and maybe this is why it still remains a favorite, is it was one I got to incorporate in the first book. And uh-huh. I just thought it was so cool. And I learned this even years before I started writing it. It was like, I didn't know I was doing research for a future book, but that is that um, grapes, when you go to grow grapes that will then be used for wine, where you grow them and what you grow them near can really impact the flavor. So like in Colorado on the Western slope where Parker gets her grapes from um, in Palisade, there's a lot of peach trees. And so a lot of the wines here have like this very subtle, like, 
peach flavor to it. And I've always just thought that was so cool. Wow. Like I've tried wines in Italy and they have like almost a brininess, like olives sometimes. And I just think you start really picking up on those nuanced flavors. And I just love how something like growing the grapes can then Im like then impact something so far down along in the process. And I've always just thought that was so cool. So that that's probably one of my favorite facts. I think the one fact from till death to us port, well, I learned a lot about port. So I actually had never tried port until writing this book, Okay, <laughs> which is like a confession, I feel like. <laughs> I mean, you know, you have to do the hard research to get these books ready. You have to do it. Oh, you do. You do such hard <laughs> research. Such hard research. And, and port is delicious, by the way. I really enjoyed it. And when I didn't know like so much about port, you know, it comes from Portugal and um, but I think one thing that I really thought was kind of cool is port, you know, ages a lot longer than like some whites only you, it's like a couple months, you know, when you have like a Sauv Blanc, that's really good. And, uh, but port, it's like years. And I think there's something so admirable about some of these vintners where you won't know how the product will turn out for years, potentially. Yeah. And it's like, you are really investing in yourself and like in the process and in your craft. And like, I just think that there's something so cool about that. So I appreciated that about port. Oh my gosh. Um, that's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And like you think about it, like it's such a metaphor for life sometimes, right? Like there's just so many places you can take that. So I don't know. That's, but I'm kind of a nerd with metaphors if you've noticed. <laughs> <laughs> and we're here for that. <laughs> yeah. Li liberally in my, in my books. <laughs> yeah. No, that's so interesting. So I love, uh, there's a documentary, I think it's on Hulu called Psalm. Um, that follows like sommeliers trying to get um, their license or whatever that specific term would be. I'm sure you know it because uh, you're mm -hmm. one of your characters in your book is going through that process in, in Till Death Do Us Port. Um, but I thought it was so interesting that they could taste a wine and be like, this was grown here. And now that you're explaining it, I'm like, ah, that makes so much sense why they would know that now. Yes, those master sommeliers. And I think I may have watched that documentary. If I haven't, it's still on my wish list. And I've watched the trailer like a billion times. Oh, it's so good. Um, yeah, because those I'm so impressed with master sommeliers. They go through such rigorous coursework and like field work and have such a great understanding of wine. It's it's like it's mind boggling for me. So yeah, it was and I really wanted to include a character that was going through some of that and part mm -hmm. of their pro like um, their I hesitate to call it coursework, but the licensure that they get is working like with somebody like Parker at, at a winery and work in the industry and get that experience. And so she's kind of on her last step before becoming a sommelier and has the final exam in the, in the book. Yeah. Oh, I loved that subplot. I thought that was so cool just because I am so fascinated with sommeliers, but that was really neat. Oh, good. Yeah. Boy, I'm so impressed by them. They can, they can like pinpoint just down to like the exact location without yeah. any other information except just a little bit of like a swallow of wine. <laughs> I know. It's absolutely mind boggling. I love it. So we've mentioned that this is book four in this series and I have so enjoyed getting to watch your characters grow and see all their different subplots play out as the series has progressed. So how do you as the author keep track of all the different characters and what's going on in all of their individual stories? Yeah, so that's a it's a good question. And I think for me, like these characters have been with me now for so long. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. my daughter is six now. And so it's like six years I've been thinking with these like having these characters in the background. And so they are almost like real people to me, like, yeah. oh, well, Sage and Liam are 
going down this and Sage is working in this toward this right now. And Liam is still trying to do the photography and like, where's he at? Um, I will say too, it's really handy. Um, like I have to go back a lot to prior manuscripts too sometimes though, to be like, okay, I got to make sure I remember Sage's exact eye color. How did he <laughs> yeah. describe it last book? And so but I do, I tend to just keep track of them sort of in my brain because they are very much like real people, especially with what they're up to and what their goals are and what they want. And then it's funny because it's almost like the physical appearance stuff is what I have to go back and triple check, you know, mm-hmm. some of it's like in there, in my, but um, I know I like, I always notice that stuff when I'm reading a series, like got to make sure you get everything, like everything lines up. My copy editor, it's always really handy. There's a series sort of, they call it a tip sheet, but it comes along with copy edits and it follows the whole series, every single character that's ever been introduced and a little snippet about who they are. And then, yeah, like their eye color, hair color and who they are in relation to Parker. And that's always kind of handy too, is like a final, final gut check of like, okay, I didn't accidentally forget something. (laughs) That's so interesting. And I mean, that's one of my other favorite things about Cozies is that we have so many uh, side characters and subplots that we fall in love with and we're just so invested in but as an author that's a whole that's a whole lot more to keep track of than in genres where you're just writing you know one book and you're done mm-hmm. I know it's it can be challenging like for me it's cha- the most challenging part about like I love having all these little sidekicks and these characters that kind of follow Parker through the series I think the hardest part almost is how do their relationships with Parker change and grow in each book and how do they impact her because they always have to be doing that in some way that push pull and uh, that's always been like you want to keep it like for me it's book four and I want to keep the conflict between characters and the way their relationships are changing really fresh Mm -hmm. so I can't just have the same like love interest drama in book four as what was there in book two because the the characters have changed you know and like well where are they going to go from here and I think that's probably the most challenging but also it's like in the best way possible it makes it really kind of cool to go through the process. Yeah, definitely. And I have to say that in book four, I feel like you really dug into that. Like we see so much growth uh, with Parker's relationships with all of the characters around her. Like everything feels very dynamic and like nothing feels stale, nothing feels flat. And so you can really tell that you did a lot of work on that. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Yeah. And this one, I had so much fun with both like Parker has been with Reed, you know, mm-hmm. since book one. And it was like, where are we going to take that them next? Because they're getting to an interesting point in their relationship. But then the other one I had so much fun playing with was Parker and her mom. Yes. Who have also grown so much. And, and her mom ends up being sort of like another little sleuth with her because her mom, it's her family too. And so she really wants to kind of be a part of it with Parker. And so it's kind of, it was so much fun. It was cool. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh my goodness. I I loved Parker's mom in this book. I like I I've enjoyed her throughout the series, but in this book, I I just loved her. Oh good. Oh yeah, she's and she's so fun. She's a little chem, like a chemist and I do feel like mm-hmm. she's got some natural sleuthing abilities too, just like Parker. But I think for fun it like it was so fun to write her just really gung ho about certain things and Parker's kind of like, "Oh no, what have I unleashed?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, and there's a quote actually that kind of refers to to Parker's mom that I absolutely loved, and I think it's the one that's uh, we've all heard the saying "too many cooks in the kitchen," but what about too many sleuths in an investigation? I thought that was so funny. 
Oh, good. Yes. And, you know, I think there's some like humorous elements in that. I'm sure every detective that's had to deal with an amateur sleuth would pro is probably like muttering <laughs> that, like, not another one. But I thought for Parker to sort of recognize like, oh, is this going to be <laughs> yeah, too many, too many cooks in a kick in a kitchen? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. funny. And I'm sure that's how, uh, like, the detective that Parker interacts with so much in the series feels about her. And now Parker's feeling this about other characters in yeah. the series, which is kind of funny. Yes. It's like kind of a, yeah, fun little parallel. <laughs> uh -huh. Exactly. So I'm sure that many of our listeners are going to have Till Death Do Us Port on their nightstand very soon. Um, but what I'm wondering is what books Parker might have on her own nightstand. Okay, and I love this question so much. And I think for Parker in particular, it's kind of like, it's kind of a funny answer because I picture her having like a wine enthusiast magazine. Oh, <laughs> which yeah. And I picture her having some, the first book in a fantasy series that Sage really wants her to read, which she hasn't <laughs> read yet. And then I also picture her a little bit like Cameron Diaz's character in The Holiday, where she uh -huh. goes on the airplane and she has like all of the bestsellers that she means to read, but she hasn't gotten around to yet. Right. <laughs> which is awful. But like, Parker or something, this is a way we're completely different. I don't always know that she is like a bookworm. She's a little more outdoorsy. So when I know she's read out of that stack of bestsellers is I think she probably really liked Wild or oh. some, like by Cheryl Strayed, you know, like uh -huh. a woman in wilderness and like going on a journey. Like, I feel like she would get into like some nonfiction stuff like that. So yeah, I can see that. And I love that answer, especially uh, the, the fantasy novel that Sage has given her that she just hasn't read yet. Like that feels very relatable. <laughs> yes, you know, I feel like I'm more of the Sage character. Like I would do that to friends. Like you have to read this book. Uh -huh. And <laughs> they're like, yeah, take it with sure, you. I'll take it. And like, they're just humoring you, but they're not really going to read it. Yes. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> Uh, yeah, us, <laughs> us book pushers can definitely relate to the, <laughs> that situation. Oh, yeah. oh, I know. I'm I'm always saying, like, don't worry about it. You can hold on to it as long as you need to. Like, I just finished it. Uh -huh. Yeah, you're going like, to love okay, it. I know it. Great. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so funny. So what would you say was the most challenging thing about writing Till Death Do Us Port? Oh, yeah. So, there were, so I think I mentioned earlier, I was basically asked like, how fast can you read this book? And I gave the answer and I've written at that point, I had written and turned in like three books, you know? And so I had a pretty good idea. I was like, all right, six months, let's do it. And, um, and then what happened? So my husband and I, we decided to move. So we were in the middle of moving and we actually had an unexpected death in our family. Oh. My father-in-law passed away oh. and our house, our life was already in complete chaos because of the move. And then that happened and it was just like this, I don't know. I just threw everything else. It just became even more chaotic. Mm -hmm. And there were like two weeks where I couldn't even sit down at my computer. I didn't have literally one second just because of life, just throwing yeah. those curveballs at you. And so, um, yeah, so the timing of this, this is the first time I've ever been nervous. I wouldn't meet a deadline. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of hard. That made the writing a lot harder. But at the same time, like when I finally did get back to my laptop, you know, something I've always loved about writing is that I don't know, like this book, again, it was an escape for me after I became a new mom. It's like, it does this weird thing where it both is like, uh, gives you an escape, but it also grounds you a little bit. And mm -hmm. like, in reality, and like, I don't know, it just gave me a sense of normalcy again, while also kind of giving me this world of Parker and wine that I could just go and, and play with sometimes when, when things got heavy, you know? Right. So that's the, that was definitely the hardest, hardest part. But, but, you know, and I, 
am really proud of this story. I think in ways it was impacted, like things in the story, like you just dig deep a little bit when mm-hmm. you're going through stuff like that. And, you know, there may be a line or two that came out on the page because like family is such a, an integral part of the story. So definitely. Anyway. Yeah. And I do feel like books can be like just that cathartic escape, particularly, um, in my opinion, cozy mysteries, just because we, we do know, you know, that ultimately justice is going to be served. Everything's going to turn out for the best. Our main characters are going to be safe. And so we feel safe reading them Mm -hmm. and they are just a delightful escape when life gets to be a little bit too heavy. Oh, totally. It's like, you know, you can count on a cozy to like, to have that happy ever after and the justice served. And it's, and like, I think it's fun because for me, reading has always offered that to me. And it was kind of interesting to be in a place where writing then, writing a cozy did the same thing for me where it was like, I can make everything turn out okay. Mm-hmm. I can give like so much, uh, like it was just kind of cool. It was something like, again, maybe it's the sense of control right. in a world that feels out of control and, and that sort of thing. But you're totally right. I think cozy mysteries especially are such a great genre just to yeah cozy up to and when life gets life gets tough Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely a hundred percent agreed and you know a lot of authors they have a very specific writing ritual so whether that be putting on a playlist or lighting a candle or just going to a specific space in their home so they can feel cozy and productive so do you have a writing ritual of your own I do. It's gonna. So I'll say for the actual writing, I've gotten to a point where uh, I can even write with like sounds in the background and stuff. Uh-huh. I think it was because of when I became a new mom, I sort of learned how to write like with anything going on in the background, I bet. <laughs> like chaos. And you learn how to write. Like one thing that was really helpful was I learned how to write ten minute sprints. You know, like oh, I've got got ten minutes right now. Let's go. And. um But the ritual for me, I think, is when I open up my laptop each morning, no matter what time it is, I like to, I have this Excel spreadsheet, I'm kind of a math nerd and a spreadsheet nerd, so I do. (laughs) Me too, it's okay. (laughs) It's a good thing. Um, uh, But I have a spreadsheet that helps me track my word count for every single project, and I like to just keep track of it, no matter where I am, even if I'm in edits. It's just kind of this handy tool of like, okay, where am I at word count-wise? Where am I at in story? And so I always um, open that up before I even dig in, and I kind of like restart it for the day. Like, okay, well, we're starting from zero. Seeing am I going in? And and so that's sort of a ritual is like getting myself ready in that in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm writing, I always make, like when I'm drafting, I make a goal to do 500 words a day. And so it's always kind of cool to like, okay, know you're starting there. And then, then as the day progresses, no matter where or when you end up getting to write, you've got like, you know where you're going. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's my ritual. That's awesome. And I love uh, when authors talk about kind of the way they break it down into manageable pieces, because writing a book can be so overwhelming. So for any of our listeners that are aspiring novelists, I think that's a a great piece of advice to try is to maybe just try getting 500 words a day down and instead of trying to bite off a a whole book all at once. Oh yeah, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Mm -hmm. And I've found in my process, there are writers who do things, everybody, it's like the most important thing is to find something that works for you. And that can take you many manuscripts sometimes. But for me, it's like, my first drafts tend to be fairly clean 
and I have a hard time. It, they're not perfect, but never <laughs> do NaNoWriMo once if you ever have a hard time being a perfectionist, <laughs> and that'll knock that right out of you. But um, no, but I, it's not perfect by any means, but I do like things to be like, I know I'm going to go into the second round of edits with something I can work with without having to start over. Mm-hmm. And so that's where 500 words for me feels very manageable. It's very doable. But also when those words, when you're trying to do like quality, that that actually, that can be kind of challenging on some days. So mm-hmm. I found that to be for me, just like the best middle ground. And I, I see some writers out there who are like, I wrote 6,000 words today. <laughs> and like, I'm always so impressed because that's just not how my brain can work. Um, but coot, like, bravo, that's you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, that would just give me an anxiety attack, I think. But, yeah, <laughs> but that's yeah. awesome that other people can do it. Yes, it's awesome. Like, whatever works for different people is, is just, that's the most important thing, I think, is figuring out what works for you. Uh-huh. So. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, there's no right way to write a book, which is both awesome and also like kind of unfortunate because just having like a guide of like, this is what you need to do would be so nice <laughs> sometimes. Oh, I know. I know. I, so I will say the one book I read that I thought was so helpful. I read this. It's one of the first, I think it is the first writing book maybe I ever read was Stephen King's On Writing. I love that book. Good. Oh, I loved it. Um, and it's like half memoir and then half like an instruction manual. And the thing I liked though, and he has some quote in there about like, if you don't finish a first draft in two months, then throw out the project because it's no good. And like, this is just something in writing is like, um, you always want to like, there's no right way to do anything. Right. But if you take some of, I mean, obviously he's just kind of doing, sharing what works for him, but I found it to be such a helpful guide and it was so good. And it like taught me how to sit like. It was just somebody saying, this is how I sit down and write. And so like, give it a shot. And then, yeah, so that's a really, really handy one. It was a really good like intro into writing, I thought. Uh-huh. I agree. How to write a novel. And then you can kind of take what he says and layer on like, oh, well, this one I might doesn't work as well for me. Adverbs. I like some adverbs. So I'm not going to just throw them all out. You know? <laughs> I know. I was very stressed out when I read his that section about the adverbs. In that book. I was yeah. like, oh, no, what am I going to do? <laughs> But that's like half of my word count. Yeah, it's always funny because then and then, of course, like you go and read a bestselling novel and you realize the only rule is like there are no rules because there are some that are just riddled with adverbs and you have to, you know, so it is just this point of like the more you do it, the more you get to know your own process. And Mm -hmm. and yeah, it's kind of it's cool that way, though. Yeah, definitely. And I'm sure you've learned and grown so much as an author throughout the process of publishing this series. So if you could go back and give your pre-published self one piece of advice, what would it be? So my advice would be there's no rush. I remember when I first got bit by the publishing bug Mm -hmm. and just dreamed of seeing my book in a bookstore, you know, and just like had that that, um, hope. I remember feeling like it needed to happen soon or it was never going to happen, you know, right. wanted it, wanting it to be like immediate. And um, I think if I could go back, I would tell myself like, there's no rush, take your time. In fact, there's so many opportunities for unpublished writers out there. Mm-hmm. There's grant opportunities through so many organizations. There's contests that you can apply to or submit to and you get judge feedback and like, just so many opportunities for unpublished writers. And I wish I had felt a little bit more at ease and like just not rushing it. And also there's something really special about not being under a deadline to Mm -hmm. write. 
and just to explore your voice and your characters and the narration style there's all these sorts of things you can play around with and like i think so i would probably tell myself like enjoy the ride and i mean i for me it did it ended up taking like 10 years it was a long process and i certainly didn't feel like I wasn't rushed by any means when you hear that, but I remember feeling some of that pressure. Uh huh. Like there is there that pressure shouldn't be there, you know. Yeah, I love that advice. Like, just don't put pressure on yourself. Actually, have some fun because that's the whole point of pursuing a passion project, right? Is to do something you love and get paid for it. But if you make it something that's stressful that you don't love, when you don't actually have to put that pressure on yourself, it definitely takes away from the joy of the experience. Absolutely. And it should all be about joy. It should bring you joy writing and and doing that. So for sure. Yeah, Yeah, I agree completely. And you know, it is just so much fun for me to get to celebrate the launch of this book with you virtually. But are you doing anything fun to celebrate in your real life? Yes, I'm so excited. So this will actually be I'm having an in person launch event. Yeah, like my favorite bookstore the tattered cover in Denver which for me has always kind of been a dream to be able to do that and uh-huh. so I get to have an in-person launch event and I haven't had one of those yet just because of COVID and right. circumstances and and so I'm really really excited to get to do that oh, um, I'm and so also, glad to hear that yeah yeah so that'll be a great way and you know, friends and family be there just to just celebrate. So that's awesome. And I I did wonder if uh, this was going to be your first time getting to do an in person event, because when I picked up your first book, it was in 2020. Um, So I wondered, like, if you had gotten to do that since then. So that's such a cool, cool, like, author dream to get to live out. And I'm so excited for you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. The first book came out May 2020. And so I had an in-person event scheduled and it was, of course, canceled. And this was before people like our bookstores and everybody had sort of pivoted to Zoom. And so there was really nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. We had my, you know, I had a little mini celebration with some cake and like it was great, you know, but uh, and and then for book two, it was still sort of that it was like six months after book one. So we were still very much in that uncertain territory. Right. And then book three, I had an in-person event. And then I think it was an ice storm that closed like the county that day. It was something really bizarre where I was like, this isn't meant to be. And so there's still this part of me that wonders like tomorrow, is it going to happen? Like, (laughs) I like, like at this point, I, I mean, it will, like, I'm really looking forward to it, but there's, I've just gone through so much, (laughs) like, um, external events in the world that it's like I hope it happens <laughs> yes. I just hurt? oh my goodness we're <laughs> knocking on wood and crossing fingers that you don't get some massive snowstorm in Colorado or anything wild in the next 24 hours it's just so funny so yeah this will be the very first uh, my in-person launch event so huzzah, <laughs> huzzah. I'm excited uh, I hope you post some pictures on social media so we can all celebrate with you I will, for sure. I will. We'll definitely be on the lookout for those. Um, Well, can you tell us anything about what you're working on right now then? Yeah. So I am, so I'm waiting for book five. I'm sort of like have that proposal out there and I'm waiting to hear back. And like I said, I think um, my agent has given me such good advice in the past. This is more writing advice. Always be working on something because it keeps that writing muscle like in shape, I Mm -hmm. think. In addition to giving you something else to focus on 
because the waiting can get really hard. So I am working on a young adult mystery Oh, cool. and, and it's really fun. It's like high school mystery or high school musical, but with murder is sort of the idea. <laughs> I And love it's that. very, very oh, good. <laughs> you. It's, it's a lot of fun. And like, I think sometimes after I work on like, um, with in the cozy world, I like to take a little break and focus on something completely different, you know, completely other genre. And I found that like leapfrogging back and forth in genres like that it keeps it fresh. So Yeah, for sure. And it's funny that you say that because we were just at um, East High School for a book event like last week. <laughs> oh, so high how school funny. musical is like front of mind right now. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, how fun. Yeah. Well, before we sign off, do you want to tell our listeners how they can connect with you online and keep up to date on all of your upcoming book releases? Yeah, yeah. So I do have a website, katelansing.com. Um, but I think I'm more frequently online, like on, I'm on Instagram a lot, at KMLansing. And on Twitter, hmm, I'm at LansingKM over there. And i not on there as much as I used to be. I really like the Instagram space. And I'm also on Facebook. I have a Facebook page. And I just joined TikTok. And I've been trying to do a little bit more over there and sharing more news over there. So, um, yeah. And I see you on TikTok. You have the most amazing videos. I'm always so Mm -hmm. impressed. oh my goodness I am trying so hard but they're hard TikTok's hard It's like, it definitely, t it's a whole other ball game, a whole other, um, I don't know, but you're doing great. I love it. It's your, yeah, I definitely follow Get Cozy podcast. <laughs> Thank They're you. all pretty and they're all cozy. Like it gives me just warm and fuzzy feels. So that's, yeah. <laughs> That is always my goal. I appreciate that so much. And that is definitely like the challenge as a content creator, right? It's like you feel like you get one thing down, but then there's this new thing you have to do. And I know you feel that same thing as an author too, because you have to do so much for marketing. Yeah, for sure. I like, I think my favorite space is still Instagram. Just, I don't Mine know why. too. <laughs> Like, I, uh, I just really like it over there. I find like I'm able to connect with a lot of readers that way too. like connect with people and have like a community and it feels, I don't know. I like, I like their, in TikTok it is, it's like a whole other, whole other world. So I'm getting there. Yeah, yeah, that can be <laughs> it's our, our joint goal for 2023, try to figure out TikTok. Totally, totally. And the funny thing is, I feel like it's such <laughs> like the youth, the youths know. uh-huh, I know, I know, I know. And now that we're <laughs> uh, becoming elder millennials, <laughs> we have I to know, catch up I know. again. <laughs> I know. It's so funny because I feel like we were the like with the birth of social media, we were like right there. And now it's like trying to even Facebook has changed so much since I joined first. It's like a whole other world sometimes trying to navigate like, well, now how, how do I do this? I feel like I should should know this because it's been a part of my world for so long. Right. But the dynamic just changes so much. And like the content that works here doesn't work here or doesn't work here. It's just, <laughs> it's wild. It can definitely be daunting. The Mm -hmm. goal for me is always just to make sure it's fun. If it's a fun challenge, then I'm in. So yeah, I'm on, I'm on there with TikTok with you. We're dipping our toes in, we're doing it. So <laughs> Exactly. Wonderful. Well, Kate, thank you so much for being on the show yet again and for celebrating your book launch with us. This has been so much fun. Oh, yeah. Well, it's been a blast. Thank you for everything. And you're awesome. And the podcast is so great. And I just love, love listening to it and getting to be on it. So thank you. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much. And listeners, thank you for joining us. We will be back with another episode of Get Cozy Podcast very soon. So stay tuned. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. 
And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Do you want early access to each new episode of Get Cozy Podcast? Then be sure to subscribe to our all-new YouTube channel. We'll be posting our new episodes there before any of the other major podcast platforms. We even feature shorts filled with lots of cozy book recommendations to keep your TBRs overflowing. So check out the link in the description for this episode and be sure to subscribe. That's all for today's episode. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Get Cozy Podcast to see which authors we'll be hosting in our upcoming episodes. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, happy reading and stay cozy. Stay cozy.